your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! ...with a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, a podcast brought to you by... The dip. Nothing interesting or remotely fun has happened in my life for the past seven days. I'm actually PMSing and taking way too long of naps. So I've been in a pretty bad mood for the past seven days. So let's just get straight into the pop three. These are the three biggest headlines of the week. We'll start with Kanye West's podcast interview and a potential new girlfriend. This is totally coming out of left field. Kanye is confusing us. Yet again, so we get this video on Friday of Kanye on Revolt TV's Drink Champs podcast or Drink Champs, that probably makes more sense, podcast. And the videos that we're getting are him talking about Kim. Of course, this is on the heels of all the Pete Davidson stuff that is just like disintegrated in my head. I go to sleep and have nightmares about Kim Kardashian dating Pete Davidson. So Kanye's talking about how... Kim is still his wife and he hasn't seen any divorce papers. And, you know, it was in true Kanye fashion, this interview. So let's just break down what I saw he said on my TikTok for you page. So he says his kids want him and Kim to stay together and that he wants to be with her. He also claimed he's never seen divorce papers in spite of her Saturday Night Live joke about their split. Uh, he goes on to blame the media and Kim's publicist, you know, for the breakup of his family. He talks about the people in Kim's ear. He's like, I want to pull my family back together. I'm assuming this interview is not too helpful with that. He said, it's my family, Hulu, like literally calling them out. Um, It's an interesting thing to think about because He's not necessarily wrong, is he? I mean, it's always about what's going to make for a good storyline, what's going to make more money, what's going to keep you in the press longer. And uh, I don't know. I'm just not that I'm saying that that's the reason why Kim decided that she was going to end up going through with this divorce. I just truly don't really know where they stand. And then it's surprising that mere Days later, page six, like exclusively reveals that he's dating this model, Venetria. Uh, she's a 22 year old model. She has a YouTube channel. Uh, she has a video on how to be hot in case you want to learn how to do that. Uh, step one, be a model. Pro tip. Uh, the buzz online is that she was at that podcast recording. Uh, that's awkward. And, then that she was at Sunday service. Okay. So this video came out like Friday, Saturday. And then that Sunday she was at Sunday service. There's no photos of her there, but even on her Instagram page, uh, she has a highlight of it. So it's like, if she was at that podcast recording, she saw it. Like, even if she wasn't there, she saw the videos circulating online and then she's still going to date him after he's like, she's still my wife and I want my family to be together. Just, just a little bit strange forget the kardashians we we can't keep up with kanye truly let's move on to headline number two jen shaw this week's episode of the real housewives of salt lake city was top tier and i hear this six weeks is one of the greatest episodes in housewife history andy says it's top five and we trust 
father, Andy. So in case you don't know what's going on with Jen Shaw, in case you don't know, or if you, in case you don't watch The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, back in March, we had this breaking news. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City's Jen Shaw arrested, charged with a fraud scheme. We all remember where we were when the news broke that Jen Shaw was arrested. I was in the Coles parking lot making it rain with the Coles cash. It's wild that pretty much everything we heard in March played out on the episode. Like, you know, sometimes you'll read these things on page six and it's like, eh, that's not necessarily true. And that's not necessarily true. But everything that came out in March ended up being true. It was caught on camera. They were, you know, loading up the bus to Vail with the shot ski. She gets a phone call from her husband, bolts, arrested moments later, cameras rolling. And this week we saw it play out on the show. I love how Jen answers the phone and is like, hey, baby, comes back in the bus and is like, it was Sharif's doctor. Ma'am, I'm hoping you're not calling your husband's doctor baby. Internal bleeding? So, uh, sorry, I need to set the stage in case you don't watch the show. So she gets this phone call. She has Whitney turn her mic off. She goes out of the bus. She's talking on the phone, you know, a little bit of a frantic moment. She comes back in. Everyone's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? She's like, Sharif senior has internal bleeding. I don't know. He had an appointment today. Uh, he might have to have surgery. Obviously we know that none of that is true. Internal bleeding. She had that lie ready, like clockwork. Even when I was watching her explain it to Heather, when I was watching her explain it to everybody else, like, Oh, I'm, I hope Sharif's okay. I had to remind myself, no, she's lying, you idiot. She was so convincing. And it just makes me think, what else is this woman capable of? So here's what she's actually faced with. Jen Shaw and her assistant, Stuart Smith, were arrested and charged by the feds for alleged involvement in a national telemarketing scheme. Officials say the pair generated lists of seemingly elderly people to give their cohorts for the purpose of defrauding them. The charges they got, conspiracy to commit wire fraud and conspiracy to commit money laundering, could get them up to 50 years in jail. The source, you ask? Uh, the U.S. Department of Justice. Hello. This was a close second for the deep dive this week. I'd love to talk about it more, especially the similarities and like major differences between her situation and Erica's situation. Because when you think about it, you know, they made it known on Beverly Hills. Erica has not been charged with anything. Jen is actually in some real trouble, right? And, and people are way more laser focused on Erica than they are Jen. And I truly feel like it's only because of how Erica acts on social media. Isn't that wild to think about? Truly. So if you want me to do a deep dive on Jen, you can submit it next week on my Instagram at Morgan P Talks. You know the drill. Let's move on to our third and final headline in this week's pop three. Dorit is opening up about her home invasion. Who did she talk to about this? None other than extra special correspondent Teddy Mellencamp. Come again? How is Teddy getting a job on extra as a special correspondent? I didn't care enough to look that detail up. Here are some quotes from Dorit 
talking about the home invasion. She says, I was completely taken off guard. The burglars were surprised to see me at home. When they did, they pushed me to the ground. They said, who else is in the home? Of course, we know that her two very young children, Jagger and Phoenix, were home, but her husband, PK, was in London. Uh, she continues by saying there was someone else who said, just kill her, just kill her already. She kept repeating that, that they said that a lot, just kill her. She was... Uh, essentially begging and pleading for them to save her life and to save her baby's life is the way that she put it. And I'm paraphrasing, but she said, you know, take what you want. Like, I don't care about anything that's in this house. I care about my safety, my kid's safety. She said that she did stay calm and that she thinks that helped the situation not escalate. Um, of course, when the news first came out, there was all kinds of conspiracy theories about, oh, Dorit's faking this for a storyline. You have to be really, really, really messed up to fake something like that for a storyline, like Brooks Ayers level messed up. And I don't think jury is quite there yet. And we saw there is surveillance video of the break in that came out this past week. Uh, we know they are filming season 12 of Beverly Hills right now. Jury said her castmates or friends. I'm not really sure how she classifies them have been supportive to her, um, helping her get through this. She said she's struggling with panic attacks. I mean, I think as anyone probably would, I really hope that they get to the bottom of it. And I hope that Dorit can get to a place where she is at peace. Very, very scary. And I'm glad she's okay. All right, guys, that's this week's pop three. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. I'm going to be honest. I hate scheduling doctor's appointments. It's such a hassle, right? You search and find one that looks good. You wait on hold to book an appointment. You rearrange your whole entire schedule. You finally go in to find out the doctor doesn't even take your insurance. What the heck? It's so annoying. But there is a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app. The easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist and listen to that janky music ever again. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MPT and download the ZocDoc app to sign in for free. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MPT and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for or free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc.com slash MPT. It's time for this week's deep dive. Oh, and this one's going to be tough. I want you to know that I took this deep dive very seriously. We're going to talk about Astro World. Um, I know that it's a serious subject. You know, it's really not something to be laughing and joking about, but there's a lot of layers to it. So let's get into this week's uh, deep dive question. Hey, Morgan. This is Caroline from Chicago. Talk to me about Astro World. What are your thoughts? What do you think Travis, Kylie, and the rest of the Kardashians will do next? Thank you, Caroline, for submitting that question. It's been tough, you guys. I have felt all the things about this, but honestly, the more that comes out, the worse it gets. Uh, I'm going to recap what happened, uh, give you some latest information, and then like Caroline said, I'm going to kind of get into what I think the rest of the family is going to do, what I think Travis is going to do. Uh, yeah, let's just get into it. So in case you somehow missed it, eight people are dead 
and hundreds more were injured at this third annual Astro World concert in Houston on Friday night. An estimated crowd of 50,000 people attended the concert, which was organized and headlined by Travis Scott, who is a rapper. He also is dating Kylie Jenner. Uh, she has one child with him and is expecting another one. The trouble Reportedly happened, you know, after 9 p.m., according to the Houston Fire Department chief, Samuel Pina, the crowd began to compress toward the front of the stage. And that caused some panic, uh, started causing some injuries. People began to fall out and become unconscious. That created an additional panic. Uh, it was deemed a mass casualty incident. Uh, it was triggered at 938 PM. His team transported 17 people to the hospital, 11 of whom were in cardiac arrest at the time. Uh, there was a medical tent on site. The festival staff was quickly overwhelmed by the situation, which led to uh, his team to dispatch as many as 50 units. That's the uh, Houston Fire Department Chief Samuel Pena said that. So you open your TikTok and there are thousands, thousands of videos whether it's firsthand accounts of people who were there. Um, I've seen videos from medics that were on the scene. Uh, people just screaming for help, trying to get the show stopped. Uh, people being packed in like literal sardines. There's also this crazy story about a security officer who said he felt a prick in his neck during the chaos and lost consciousness while being examined by first responders. He was revived by the uh, opioid antidote Narcan. So just true and utter chaos. And it all started when more people that were uh, given tickets were broken to the show, right? There's like some 2000 people, I think that uh, rated security, just you could see videos of them running. And so first of all, it was overcrowded. Okay. That's like layer number one. There's also a lot of TikTok conspiracy theories that this was like a satanic ritual. Look, I'm not up on my satanic rituals, so I couldn't tell you if it was one or wasn't one. What I can tell you is that it looked and sounded like a place I would feel very uncomfortable in. And I've been to a lot of these types of environments. I mean, when I was younger, I used to go to Lollapalooza like like three or four years in a row, my friends and I went, okay, huge festival, huge names that go there. And never, ever did I feel unsafe. I mean, you, you feel claustrophobic in large crowds anyways, but never to the point where, you know, I was worried if I was going to pass out from cardiac arrest. Well, according to TMZ, here's what Travis is doing to help the situation. He's offered to cover any and all funeral costs for the eight victims out of his own pocket. He's giving full refunds to all attendees. He's partnering with BetterHelp, which is a network of mental health professionals to offer free services to anyone who was there and needs to talk through their trauma. Meanwhile, he's dropped out of uh, this weekend's Day in Vegas Festival. Um, it came out this week that Travis Scott went to a Dave and Buster's party after the Astroworld performance on Friday. Like, why, why are you going to Dave and Buster's anyways, let alone in the midst of all this mess? The after party was thrown by Drake. I'm sorry. I should not slander Dave and Buster's like that, actually. 
I've had quite fun times there. Anyways, both performers allegedly had no idea what the extent of the tragedy was, but left the party when they found out lawsuits are going to be filed every single day. Like there is no way around it. And according to TMZ, this is not the first time that something bad has happened at a Travis Scott show. Uh, Travis has gotten in trouble in the past for encouraging people to rush the stage. In 2015, he pleaded guilty to charges of reckless conduct stemming from an incident at Lollapalooza. I did not go when Travis Scott was there. I went the years before. Uh, in 2017, he pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct after law enforcement said he incited a riot at a show in Arkansas. So how does this happen. Uh, well, like I said, there's tons of videos floating around of old Travis Scott shows where he is encouraging his fans to rage. I mean, that's, that's the word that I keep seeing everywhere. I see it in his Instagram captions. I see a YouTube reel of Travis Scott best rage moments. So this is something that he really crafts his shows around. Uh, of course, there's videos of Astroworld of, of this guy being like lifted out of the crowd and taken. He's unconscious. It, it appears that Travis Scott sees him and doesn't really do anything. Of course, you know, there's an ambulance going in the back. And of course, you know, I'm thinking if I'm on stage, I'm not thinking those people are dying, but still, you know, there's enough red flags for you to know that something is off. He, there's videos of him, you know, inciting a crowd to beat up a minor for taking his shoe when he was crowd surfing, like telling the crowd, like, yeah, mess this kid up. Like why encouraging people to jump off balconies? Why, why is this considered fun? Creating that kind of atmosphere isn't fun or cool. And like, I, I don't understand how it got to this point. TMZ came out with another article looking into some of Travis's old social media posts on his Instagram for whatever reason are still up. And this is where I'm just lost completely. So the pictures I saw were from like 2014, 2015. They're vivid photos of people passed out on the ground at what appears to be a show, maybe his, it doesn't say, but here are some of the captions. It's not a show until someone pass out. Another caption said, to the kid that didn't survive the rodeo, you're a hero in my book. What is wrong with this person? So while I don't think it's only one person's solo responsibility, because like I said, a lot of things had to go wrong, but it is 100% Travis Scott's responsibility when it comes to the environment that he chooses to create around his shows. He's built this rage culture surrounding his live performances. It's part of the appeal to these kids, these young teenagers, these young adults, like, oh, I'm going to go to the Travis Scott show. We're just going to get wild. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be awesome. Why is this fun? Why is this cool? It's not fun to not be able to breathe at a concert. It's not fun to watch people pass out next to you at a concert. It's not cool to go into cardiac arrest at a concert. So, I mean, clearly, as you can tell, I feel like Travis Scott definitely has a huge liability because like I said, he is solely responsible for the culture that he creates around his live performances. But what does this mean for the Kardashian-Jenners? 
We'll start with Kylie. It's interesting. I asked on Instagram if you think any of the Kardashian Jenners need to say anything. Some people said since Kylie was there and it is her baby daddy that she should be the only person expected to say something. And she did say something on Instagram. She said that she and Travis were broken and devastated by the incident. After sending her thoughts and prayers to the victims, she said, I want to make it clear that we weren't aware of any fatalities until the news came out after the show and in no world would have continued filming or performing. I am sending my deepest condolences to all the families during this difficult time and will be praying for the healing of everyone who has been impacted. Do Kylie and Travis stay together after this? I think it's hard when there's kids involved, but no. There's no, there's no way, right? First of all, they've been on and off for years. And do you remember what I said last week about the brand? I was talking about Kim and Pete, but it bears repeating. The Kardashian Jenners cannot be associated with people who are bad for their brand. At all costs, these people have to protect their brand because at the end of the day, it's how they make money. Which guys are good for the brand? Which guys aren't good for the brand? I said last week, you know, Travis Barker, Pete Davidson, you know, they don't really have any that I'm aware of, I don't know, legal issues or, you know, past incidents, you know, they're top of mind for people, they're recognizable, they're memorable names, memorable faces. Tristan Thompson, not necessarily good for the brand. Travis Scott, I think we can now put in the bad for the brand category. I listened to Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop a lot, and she said something that I thought was just an amazing point when it comes to the Kardashians and the Jenners and who they date. And that is, it's fun until it's not, you know, it's fun to date the basketball player until he cheats on you repeatedly. It's fun to date the rapper until he starts to lose his mind a little bit. It's fun to date the rapper until something goes horribly wrong at his concert. And then it's, it's not fun anymore. And you're stuck in this real life mess that people, whether you like it or not, are going to attach you to because you are attached to the person that caused the problem. So I feel like if Kylie wants to protect her her business, her livelihood, everything that she has worked hard for, I don't see how she would be able to stay with him. And if I'm Kris Jenner, who... Let's just be real. Micromanages everything her family does. She has to. She manages her her children. If I'm Kris Jenner, you know, you want to support Kylie because it's tough. I'm sure she loves him and they're probably they probably are sad about the situation. But at the end of the day, Travis Scott is not their family. And Kris is probably looking out for the best interest of her daughter. I want to move on to the rest of the family and how they're moving forward. So we've seen an Instagram story statement from Kim that Chloe shared, and Kendall wrote one on her story as well, but that's it. Chloe receiving a lot of backlash online for posting this story and then like mere hours later posting a thirst trap on her Instagram. Courtney posted one, doesn't have as much backlash on it, which is a little confusing. I think someone might be deleting comments on Courtney's page. It just is really an interesting thing to watch because... Is this their PR strategy to just act as if, you know, 
nothing happened. You know, we're not in the astral world business. You know, we're in the Kardashian business. This has nothing to do with us. I got a lot of people online saying that maybe it's an attempt to just distance themselves from Travis entirely. I get it. They weren't there. You know, Kylie and Kendall were there, but Kim was not there. Chloe was not there. Courtney was not there. They aren't Travis Scott. What really can they do? And anything they do will be picked apart like we're doing here right now. Just because they weren't there and they're not Travis does not mean that people won't connect the two of them because they're close to the family. And if you don't believe me, I'll prove it in a second. But let's just look at the options of like what the Kardashians could or should do. And I think it's interesting because everybody has a different answer. Should they speak up? Should they lay low? I put an Instagram question up, right? And I asked people what their thoughts were. And I had, I mean, a lot of you guys responded. And it was all over the place. It was just lay low for a while. It was, they need to say something. And everyone was like so strong in their conviction of what they think that they should do. What's their PR team telling them to do? They have mountains of people working for them. And I just have such a hard time that they are sitting around their big old table that they sit in, in their PR meetings, in their marketing meetings, in their crisis management meetings, and that their solution to this is just go about your lives. Just act as if nothing happened. To me, it's bizarre that Chloe would post this statement on her story and then within the hour post another selfie as if the world will forget what she looks like if she doesn't post an Instagram thirst trap for a week. For the Kardashians to have people in their ears constantly about what they should do, should not do, just feels like a strange choice. So there's this Radar Online article, consider the source, that said the Travis storyline will be pulled from the Hulu show. They won't discuss Kylie's pregnancy. With that being said, you think the family's still not connected to this? Their relationship, Travis Scott, was going to make them money off of this new Hulu show. And it's hard to really pinpoint it because you look at them as individuals, but you categorize them as one brand, which is why I think I can't really get my thoughts straight on it. Because one second, I'm like, well, what is what is Courtney, Kim, and Chloe supposed to do? And on the other hand, I think this is the Kardashian brand that Kylie and her family falls under. Here's an interesting left turn. Here's what Bethany Frankel, former housewife on The Real Housewives of New York City, said about the situation on Instagram. Here's her caption. Hug your babies. Life is short and can change in an instant. It's not always easy to give them what they want while ensuring their safety. Parenting is an ever-changing thing, and the world is not the same one we grew up in. To help the victims of this terrible world travesty, donate to bethany.com slash be strong. 100% goes to the effort as always. Is Bethany Frankel doing more for world victims than the Kardashian-Jenner family? It's, it's just interesting, is it? And, and I want you to listen to this podcast episode and know that I'm I don't I don't get angry if you are disagreeing with me because I I can't figure it out. I can't figure out what I think they should do, what I think they shouldn't do. But here is like an interesting thing that I want you to think about. Can't not that they would be for this. This is just a hypothetical that 
really has stumped me. Can the Kardashian-Jenner family ever be canceled? Can they? And I, I'm not I'm not one for cancel culture. I think it's stupid. I think everybody makes mistakes unless it's like really bad, like you're killing a bunch of people, which I mean, really, Morgan, you couldn't think of any other example. I'm sorry. It's just the first thing that came to my mind. But you know, like the old tweets that were 15 years ago, like let's move on from stuff that happened decades ago. But it is interesting to think, can the Kardashian-Jenner family ever do something that would get them canceled? Just a little food for thought. All right, you guys. Whew, that was a tough one. Like I said, it's okay if you have a different opinion than me. I really just wanted to talk it out, wanted to get all my feelings out there. Of course, um, you know, we are just continuing to pray for the families. I can't imagine what that's like. Um, I donated at Bethany.com slash be strong. Like you can too if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine. Okay, to wrap up this week's episode. Because I record on Wednesdays during season 11, I wasn't really able to recap any Beverly Hills episodes or give my thoughts in real time because it just didn't make sense. But now that season 11 is complete, I want to give my Real Housewives of Beverly Hills final thoughts. Season 11 has been truly a wild ride. It's been the season of Erica Jane. So where do I stand with Erica Jane now that the season is over? I feel like the reunion did help her in a sense that, you know, she did answer, you know, the questions, quote unquote, the questions. But regardless of whether or not she answered the question, I feel like it's it's so far gone because it's no longer about what she did know, what she didn't know. It's now about how she treats people in the way that we have seen her treat people and the way that she has been acting on social media. I mean, I've said that from day one. I'm like, look, I'm not a PI. I'm not in the FBI, although I probably could be by how much I Instagram stalk. But I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff, but I do know that she really pisses me off when she, you know, calls people the words that I'm not allowed to say because my mother is listening. The way that she yells at people when they ask her like basic questions, it just, she's not a human being in my opinion. I think that Andy did do a good job in navigating the reunion with Erica Jane, although it's interesting because we just got the first episode of uh, the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion and people are drawing comparisons on the way he pushed Candace kind of, uh, you know, uh, did he raise his voice? Sure. Let's say he raised his voice at Candace when, when trying to ask her, you know, about the way that she talks to people. We never really got that out of Andy when it comes to Erica. Is that because he knows he's dealing with a whole different beast? Beast. How dare you? I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like as in the way Eileen was called a beast. It's like a, it's a fig, it's a something statement. I don't know. The word's escaping me. Whatever. Uh, let's get into what she actually said. A big thing is that she's really pissed off about being called a liar. Uh, she said she withheld information sometimes. I've said this to y'all before, lying by omission is lying. Lying by withholding information is still lying. I feel like Erica Jane is one of those people who lie so much that she just starts believing that her lies are actually the truth. The car accident story that changed a million times. And by episode four, 
all the ladies were like, oh, yeah, now it makes sense. Episode four of the reunion, I mean. It's like, oh, thank you, Erica, for clearing that up for the 17th time. I know it's changed 17 times, but oh, now it makes sense. I'm like, no, it makes less sense now than it did at the beginning. The $20 million question from Andy, you know, did you know that $20 million went into EJ Global? She's like, no, it did not go into my account. But then she said she didn't deal with any of the money, that it all went to Girardi Keys. So which is it? Do you know for a fact that that money didn't go into your account? Or does all the money go into Girardi Keys and you don't know what goes into your bank account or not? Do you think she will ever buy regular mascara ever again? I don't think that she will. Why does Erica act like the LA Times is like like Mary Jo Kay's blog? It's the LA Times. She's like, y'all really believe what that publication? And yes, I wrote a statement back, but E! News never wants to share that. Why don't they share that? Erica, it's the LA freaking Times, okay? This is not Puppygate and this is not Radar Online. I think two really telling questions that kind of just makes me roll my eyes. They all do, let's be honest. But when Andy said, did you ask him if he didn't, you know, and she very quickly gets flustered and, and oh, tight-lipped, you know. And also her response to Crystal's question about whether or not Erica's angry at Tom. Why does that question warrant such an outburst? Why can't you just say, yeah, I'm very angry at Tom. I'm her and I'm confused and, you know, leave it at that. Instead, she's like, I hope he's okay. And he's calling me five times a day. And it's like, just because you don't see it doesn't mean that I'm not angry. It's like, well, actually it kind of does, especially because you clearly wear your emotions on your sleeve when you're angry. Do we think the rest of the cast is scared of her? I mean, it seems like it. And why? Why are they so scared of her? What is she going to do? Yell at them? Oh, no. Like, cry me a freaking river. You're on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Get over it. So what? She yells at you. So what? She's not your friend anymore. Why would you want to be a friend to somebody who constantly is lying to your face? I want to get into the other cast members in a little more detail. In my opinion, Kyle was borderline just as annoying to me as Erica was this season. You know, Kyle has been dubbed like, you know, the the flagship leader. Is that a thing? I don't know if that's a thing. You know, she's the glue that holds it all together. Especially after Lisa left, you know, she is the queen of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But what has she really done to make herself that? Do you think Rena really had this change of heart to become a better version of herself after throwing her friends under the bus every single season? And that's why she's being loyal to Erica. Do we believe that? I feel like Sutton and Garcelle are becoming fan favorites. Is Kyle worried about that? Should she be worried about that? If she wants to remain the queen bee, I think she should. I loved Sutton Strack this season. I feel like we really got to watch her evolve, you know, especially from season one. And a lot of people didn't like her season one. I kind of did. Even earlier in the season, you know, she's crying 
She's calling out Crystal for other ugly leather pants that have the whole robe debacle or whatever the heck it was, coat debacle. And then at the end, she's like, you know what? No, Erica. Screw you, Erica. You know, we can't have a civil conversation because you're freaking nuts. Garcelle, also one of my favorites, and I get it. She's kind of shady, but you know what? I like her shade more than I like Lisa Renna's shade. I don't really know why that's the case, but anyways. Do we think Dorit picked a fight with Garcelle to be more relevant on the show? Yeah. Without that fight, what did she do? Showed us her $30,000 dresses. That's cool. Crystal, I feel like... If Crystal really wanted to, she could push, she could like be the one to push back against Erica too. She doesn't seem phased by her really. And I know we didn't see like a lot of Crystal, but I feel like she like doesn't do the BS, you know? She's like, okay, whatever. Season two, if you want to stay on the show, you got to step it up. My predictions for Crystal moving forward, especially after the three of them did that LA Times article together, Sutton, Garcelle, and Crystal all did it together. I mean, they're not the Fox Force 5 because they're not lame enough to name themselves. But I think that they're going to be they're going to be a good little rat pack. So we know that they're filming already for next season. I feel honestly pessimistic. We've seen all the legal drama. So what what are we going to see? More of the same? Or is somebody besides Sutton going to put their foot down with Erica? I don't want to see these girls kiss Erica's butt for another whole season. Really? What else are they going to do? My predictions for season 12. Like I said, I think the three of them are going to team up. Crystal, Garcelle, and Sutton. I think Kyle's got to do something, man, to like solidify her spot as the leader. Otherwise, there could be a new sheriff in town. Before we go... I did this on my Instagram, on my TikTok. I want to give the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills superlatives for season 11. Kyle Richards. When's cutest couple with Mauricio? Did you see them on the cover of The Knot? I didn't know that was a magazine, but I do now because they've been posting the photos of it every day. They're cute, though. You can't deny it. Mauricio's cute. He's funny. Good on you. Um, let's see. Lisa. Biggest mouth figuratively and literally it's not necessarily a bad thing it keeps her relevant unlike dorit who wins best dressed i mean hands down she's best dressed crystal i would say most likely to become a disney princess i think she actually is doing some voiceover you know her husband rob minkoff does all the disney movies and such so that one is good uh kathy class clown god bless kathy hilton god bless kathy freaking hilton and that's all I got to say about that. Garcelle, most likely to be president. I feel like she just owns it. She doesn't care. She's not just going to bend over and be friends with Lisa Renna again because Lisa Renna tells her that she should and gives her some marinara sauce. Like, really? Garcelle has just watched Lisa Renna throw friend after friend after friend under the bus, whether it's Munchausen or Denise. And it's like, really? You're going to give me some of Harry Hamlin's spaghetti sauce and I'm supposed to be your friend and trust you not to do that to me? That really just aggravated me. Sutton, most changed since freshman year. In a good way. Like I said, we saw her at the beginning. You know, she just has really grown into herself and I love it. I feel like overall, Sutton has been my favorite person to watch. 
this season. And finally, superlative for Erica, most likely to spend a night in jail, maybe more. I'm sorry. Okay, you guys, thank you for joining me. Another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks in the books. Please, before you go, uh, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. I want to read a review from Bravo Mom of Three. This made me really, really happy. Uh, they said, as an all things Bravo loving and longtime fan of anything reality, that stay at home mom of three, I can't rave enough about how much I love Morgan's podcast. Started following Morgan on TikTok, then Instagram, and now this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to look forward to during the week. Bravo mom of three. I wish I knew your name so I wouldn't have to call you Bravo mom of three. But hey, if you are on Instagram, DM me, let me know, and we'll just talk about the things. I love it. It's also one of my favorite things to look forward to during the week is recording this podcast for you guys. So thank you again. I know at the end of every podcast, I tell you what episode we're on, but I can't freaking remember. Okay. I think it's seven. It could possibly be eight. So there you have it. We'll see you next time. This is your summer. That means Six Flags and the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, amazing animal attractions, and this. Coke is summer refreshment, so you can hop on another ride, like the all-new Sidewinder Safari. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 off passes or daily tickets starting at $39.99. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 